Welcome to a very special Purple Light podcast. During this podcast, myself, Austin Bechtold, and my fellow podcast editor, Jamin White, will be joined by a very special panel to discuss the history of Baldwin sports and our panel's favorite Baldwin sports memory. We will be joined by 93.7 The Fans' Chris Mack, The Tribs' Kevin Gorman, Athletic Coordinator Jay Saris, and Baldwin Superintendent Dr. Randall Lutz. This podcast is very informative and gives a history into some of Baldwin's past sports. All right, first off, with our favorite Baldwin sports memory, we'll start with Dr. Lutz. All right. Our favorite memory, I think, uh, 1985. I was a junior in high school here, at, of course, at Baldwin, and our um, boys basketball team was they were really good um, not that I was really good but the team was really good <laughs> and uh, uh, we ended up going 25 and 0 that year and we got to the WPIL championship at that time it was Fitzgerald Fieldhouse which is on the University of Pittsburgh campus and uh, we came up against Latrobe while this wasn't the outcome wasn't necessary the, the what we wanted we ended up losing the game and it was the first loss of the season we were heavy, heavy favorites we were ranked number one most of the year uh, we got up against that game and just not, didn't didn't play all that well but just the, the atmosphere and being part of that. And, and again, it's probably one of the bigger sports venues at that time that a high school team would play in is uh, Fitzgerald. And it seemed like every kid that from Baldwin High School was there. And the, the energy, it was just amazing. It was, it was heartbreaking. We finished with a silver medal instead of the gold. But uh, it was just an incredible experience and, and uh, one that you wish kids could be part of. And so I think that would be my favorite sport. Probably didn't realize it was my favorite memory at the time, but then. 34 years later, looking back at it, and you realize that you know, there haven't been section championships here since then. Those are the last couple of teams, my my senior year as well as junior year. Those are the last two years, and so um, I think they're my favorite only because um, they don't come that 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 frequently, and you got to cherish them when they're here. So I think that'd be mine. The other cool thing is about who your second loss that season was to. Our second loss that season was to Altoona, and uh, Doug West was on that team, and Doug West went on to play, uh, of course, in the NBA. And uh, was an incredible basketball player. Back, back that that whole experience, I, I got a chance to play against many future uh, NBA players. Brian Shorter, we played against. He went he went to Pitt. Um, he was just a beast. We played against him. We, we, we went out to Las Vegas for a tournament my senior year. I was hurt. I ended up hurting my knee my knee at the beginning of the season, so I missed my entire senior year. But uh, some of the some of the players that we played against played against a kid named Phil Nevin. He ended up going to Maryland. He was. He's 6'11", Phil Nevin. He went down there and was uh, Lenny Bias, his kind of practice dummy for, for well, as long as Lenny was there. Uh, but they're just incredible, incredible players that you run up against. And so, yeah, it's a lot of fun. And so, like, now, because, like, as you said, Baldwin basketball sort of struggled as of recent, since 1985, 86, you know, it's a long time. Uh, do you think it was the talent of the players on the team, the team mentality, the coaching? What do you think can – sort of right the ship for today's well, Baldwin team. With that particular team, those kids played, especially the seniors and a couple of the juniors that, that were there with me, they had played together. Um, basically, they were, they were from, they went to Catholic grade school, so a couple went to public grade school at that time, and they played together for years and years. And so it's almost like when we talked about it, it was in spite of the coaching, they were that good because they knew the next move of what people were going to do. They knew the pass. They knew where people would be on the floor. Uh, they know every. They knew everyone's like idiosyncrasies or patterns and, and, and all those types of things. And so, it. I don't think it was truly about the coaching. Um, in fact, sometimes you go through it and, and you really 
just can't stand the coaches as you're going through experiences like that. But the, the brotherhood of, of, of being on the team is, is what keeps you going. And, and so I think it was, I don't think it was the coach. I don't think it was anything. They were just really fantastically talented basketball players. We didn't have a three-point line. The game was, the game was a totally different game. There, it, it wasn't um, the, the speed of the game today. Uh, but you had kids. I mean, there was like seven or eight kids that were over six foot six. And, you know, half of them, half the team could could dunk a basketball. I mean, it was just it was fun basketball at that time. And the high school was probably twice as big then too, as far I, as enrollment goes, right? Yeah, our graduating class was probably seven hundred fifty yeah. kids, and so for a while ninth grade wasn't even here. So so for a while ninth grade was at actually Whitehall Elementary School, which is an elementary school of course now. So it was just 10th, 11th, and 12th grade, and it, the, the hallways were packed. The gyms would be packed. It was, it was you were graduating, you know, 2,100. There were 200 kids in the school, 700 in each class, big classes. Uh, that, that, that's pretty cool. All right, next up we'll go to Kevin Gorman. Uh, I've got a lot of memories from high school, um, and, you know, I, I felt like I, I came to Baldwin at an interesting time because the football team was amid a WPL uh, longest losing streak. Mm. And I think they set a record for something like 26 or 28 consecutive losses. And so that was you know, kind of demoralizing. Uh, but there were so many other sports that were really good at the same time. And in particular, the, the vo girls volleyball team was uh, state champions. And uh, the softball team played for the state championship. I, I was you know, fortunate enough to go to, to go to school and in the same class with several kids who won state championships in their uh, respective sports or events. And uh, you know Kelly Kovac was one of them. She's now the head softball coach at Ohio State. Um, Josh Deacon won the state championship. He was one of my best friends and grew up and I kind of on the north side of Baldwin. Um, he won the state championship. I think it was in the 800 meter run. But um, and, and he kind of sacrificed. He could have been a double state champion. He took the relay team there and ran the relay and kind of sacrificed an individual medal so that all the kids could have a chance to experience running in states, which which I thought was a really selfless thing to do was that he, he, the guys that trained with him all season and made him better, he kind of rewarded them by focusing more on a relay than on winning a second gold, because he probably could have and would have done it. Um, uh, Eric Voppel won the state championship in the Javelin, and he, uh, and, and he was maybe 5'8". You know, most Javelin guys, you, you see they're, they're tall and angular, and, you know, and they use that to their advantage. His, his was you know, a short, short, muscular guy who was strong and used great technique. And so I was, I was fortunate to go, you know, to be in class with a lot of those kids. And then I think Baldwin also won its first WPL track and field championship that year. And I, I remember that my freshman year, the coaches kept asking me to come out for the team. And I had played football and basketball and didn't really think of myself as a track and field athlete. I, you know, I kept saying, well, I'm not really that fast and I can't jump that high. I don't know what I would do. And they're like, we'll find an event for you if you come out. And, and I, for whatever reason, I didn't go out for the team. And, um, and you know, my senior year, they ended up, winning the WPIL, so that's kind of like my everlasting regret. But, but probably my favorite memory, uh, one of my best friends, Rich Kluber, came to our lunch table on the, the season opener of the football season. And at this point, they'd snapped the losing streak, and they were competitive. They were coming off, I think, like a 6-4 and four season uh, when Brian Gelsizer played at Penn State and was drafted in the NFL. That was his senior year. So they were coming in. The, the spirits were high, and Rich Kluber came to our lunch table and said, guys, you're coming to the game tonight, and they were playing at Norwin. And we we're like, oh yeah, Rich, we'll be there to support you. Don't worry. And he said, I got something special for you. So pay attention early in the game. I got something special for you. And I thought, boy, you know, here, here's this guy's cocky. Our football team's not that good. And they had a play that they'd drawn up. And I guess they'd practiced all week 
where he was a wide receiver and I did some type of a play action. He broke free for a long touchdown. And when he scored the touchdown, um, you know, the referee ran into the end zone and put his arms up in the air, and Rich came by and high-fived the official. <laughs> and the official was so stunned by the whole thing that all he did was say to him, he didn't throw a flag, he just said to him, don't you ever do that again. <laughs> but we, like he told us, he's like, I told you I had something special for you. So he knew that they had a play drawn up that could be a touchdown as long as he caught the ball and scored. And then he high-fived the ref, which I've never seen before or since. And I, I just, I, it was one of those things that, like, to me, when I think about my senior year of ball in high school, that's one of the memories that really stands out is that, you know, that Rich called it and then did it and then never let us hear the end of it. Now you're putting that out there now, so now you're gonna. There's gonna be some exposure for that, so we better watch next year. What goes on down here? <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm sure all the officials. I'm sure all the officials are hip to that now. Right. That if somebody yeah. did that, they're gonna get 15 yards for that one. But that that official was just kind of. I think his jaw just kind of dropped. Like, did he really do that? You know, it was just. It was one of those things I, I'd never seen. So, uh, to this day, it just it kind of boggles my mind that he had the, the the nerve to do it. And football in general, like that's sort of before you know like to like you know showboating on the sidelines or celebrating in the end oh, zone yeah, like I mean, so like you said very bold move it, it was but you know the, the one thing uh, i'll say about when i was here at Baldwin, i thought one of the things that really changed the atmosphere was the arrival of don yanessa as football thing. coach and athletic director Baldwin drew a lot of criticism for that hire because they paid him a lot of money to come here and be the athletic director and football coach and um and so a lot of people thought, you know, oh, here's Baldwin spending all this money, you know, prioritizing football. But it didn't. It wasn't just football. It was, you know, he, he prioritized. That's where the Fighting Highlanders came from. That's he's the one who changed that. He talked about Baldwin pride at a time when Baldwin didn't have a lot of pride, and, and he talked about winning for a football program that hadn't won and, and had lost a lot. And he came in and, and he changed the attitude. And I think. I think that reverberated throughout the entire school, throughout the building, and each sport. I think kids started to talk about having ball and pride. Kids were proud to wear purple. Uh, kids were proud to call themselves the Fighting Highlanders. And, and the football program turned around, and, and it wasn't an overnight sensation, and they didn't win WPL football championships, but they did win the conference championship. I think it was in 1999. They were co-champs, mm -hmm. and I got to cover that team. That was my first year back at, starting at the trip, and I, I ran into uh, – a couple of years ago, I was at the Steelers, and West Virginia had sent some coaches in to spend a day with the Steelers. And one of the guys came up to me and said, "Do you remember me?" And I said, uh, "I said, you look familiar, but I can't place you. You know." And I'm, I'm looking at, I'm trying to figure out who it was. He said, "I'm Matt Capone," and I said, "You had a 96-yard kickoff return against Ringgold, and that was that was one of the games that helped helped you win the conference championship." And they actually had Ringgold had a kicker named Todd James who kicked and punted at West Virginia. And he kicked every kickoff into the end zone for a touchback, but there was only 13 seconds left in the game, and they decided to kick a short one so that Baldwin wouldn't have too many plays to move downfield. And he kicked it to the four, and Capone took it, and went down the right sideline, and scored a touchdown at Joe Montana Stadium at Ringgold. And it's like it's yeah. one of those things that I I take some pride in, like thinking about like I was there when that all started, and then yeah. I saw the culmination of Baldwin's first conference championship that wasn't the game that clinched it but that was the game that really kind of made that team believe they could do it and, and there's been a lot of great players that come through there but I, I don't think Don Yanessa maybe gets the credit he deserves because people will just say well he didn't win a WPL championship and that's what he was hired to do but he, he did a lot of things that I don't think a lot of people realize how much he changed the atmosphere and the attitude of ball and as someone who was in the class of 98 um, and played football up through my sophomore year like Yanessa was like when he walked down the hall, like the seas parted. Like it was Hollywood, you, you know, Absolutely. it was yeah. 
And like everybody knew, like when the caddy pulled into the parking lot behind the cafeteria, that was that was Coach Yanessa. And you know, I I wasn't big enough to play football or be very good at it. Um, and my legal last name is Sorley. I go by Chris Mack on the air, but it was always funny to me that like <laughs> I would line up. You know, I'm JV practice squad guy, and I'd line up against whoever the starting wide receiver was. And, uh, you know, I just, I'd get run all over the field, get the snot beat out of me. And uh, he'd always be like, Sorbly, Sorbly, nice job, good job, Sorbly. I'd be like, Coach, it's Sorbly. Yeah, yeah, good job, Sorbly, good job. Yeah. But it, he was, it, despite all that, that one little personal interaction, he brought a, a, a just a, like you said, Kevin, there was a, there was a feeling of, like a gravitas, for lack of a better way well, to put it. You know? He'd coached Al Equipa. He'd right. coached Sean Gilbert. All the right moves, uh, all he, that. He was in all the yeah. right moves as he was the coach of Walnut Heights, right. which was kind of the opposite of, you know, Walnut Heights, according to Don Yanessa, Walnut Heights was kind of based on Mount Lebanon, and um, Ampipe was based on Al Equipa, and they used mm-hmm. to play each other. My cousin played at Mount Lebanon, and so I used to, I mean, my first high school games, I was six years old going to see my cousin play for these great Mount Lebanon teams, and I saw them play at Aliquippa at the pit mm-hmm. when I was six or seven years old. And it was it was the only loss that that Mount Lebanon team had over a two- or three-year run was to Aliquippa. And they had a 100-yard kickoff uh, return nullified right. by penalty. But Yunessa came in, and, and they called him Hollywood. I and mean, he was like a superstar. He, he rolled in in a little Cadillac uh, – uh, I'm trying to think. It was a little Cadillac uh, convertible. Yeah. And um, – you know, it was like it was like you know, you, you felt like hey, a star has arrived, and that's he, he wore sunglasses in the building and and walked around in a suit every day, and he, he just he brought he brought uh, some charisma, and he he, he brought he, you know brought some confidence to this building, and uh, I, I don't think it should be underestimated what, what he did. Well, I agree with that because like I was here as a student from ninety or I'm sorry eighty three to to eighty six, and it was some of my high school friends. I didn't play football, but they were on those teams that were basically O and. 20 and maybe mm-hmm. like two ties or something like that. And then I got back here in the district in 96, and that was a- after you know, Dr. Uh, Mr. Ines was, was pretty planted in here. He was here, I think, starting in 90. 91. Well, he, he came in the fall of 89. 89. Okay. The 90 class of 90. Yes. So about six years later, and, and I had I was a middle school administrator then, so I had a chance to interact with him and I was seeing kind of the impact. So like when I left, yeah, there were, as you bring up the girls' sports, were, were, have been good for, for so long, and there's been, been uh, sporadic success with some of the, the, the boys' sports. But when, when I got back, just to see the differences, and you're, like, you're exactly right, the, the Fighting Highlanders and, and some of the other pieces and parts that he was putting together. And, hey, look, the, the, uh, the unmistakable purple golf cart that would run around all the time. <laughs> <Sure. laughs> you know, it's still here. It's, it's, it, it, that thing's still running. So, uh, but, but you're exactly right. I think that that was the beginning of, of doing something a little bit different around here. Well, and that – leads into I, I'm, I'm going to jump in front of Mr. Saris here with my memory but um, like mine was again going from a guy who played football the first couple of years and then realized it wasn't his bag <laughs> you know I ended up on the Purple 8 staff after that um, nothing wrong with that no not at all that's right so uh, you know I, I, I there was in the 90s when you think about like high school football in Western PA has always been big it's always going to be big um regardless of the impact it has on, you know, local colleges or pros. Um, and Fedco and Channel 11 and Skylights was a big part of that in the 90s. And one, one of my biggest memories was the fact that we would make it – I mean, it was a huge deal for us because Fedco's only coming to Baldwin once a year. Like, that's right. – that's, that's, and that's the one we're going to get up for. And we turned out – I think it was – I can't remember if it was 97 or 98, but we turned out like a pep rally in the gym 
that was like it was it was insanity. Like people were Fedco's dancing around in the gym, and like we made a sign that was probably <laughs> my mom worked at the Hilton downtown. We made a sign out of sheets, old sheets from the Hilton that was big enough to cover like the top six rows of the bleachers in the stadium. I mean, this giant Fedco sign because they would fly over with a helicopter. That was the point of skylights. So we have this huge Fedco sign. And, you know, to, to have that pride, like you said, Kevin, that was kind of born out of Yanessa coming here and, and giving everybody sort of something to gather around or, or you know, rally around. Um, that was, you know, those couple of years where I went from playing on the team to then sort of quote-unquote covering it as a member of the Purbolite staff. Uh, and that that was really cool to see how, and then 99, the year, that would have been my first year in college, my first year after high school, um, to see it kind of turn full circle and, and turn the corner after 10 years of Don Yonessa was, was really cool. But I think to add to what you guys have said, I, I have a personal connection to both those years with Kevin, what he's saying, you know, with Coach Yonessa. 1992, I was a junior. Um, a lot of my friends played on that team. That was the last playoff win that we had here in Baldwin High School, 1992, beat North Hills. Yeah, um, fall of 91, but the class of 92. Class yeah. of 92. So that My brother fall, was on that team, yeah. Right. Good friend of mine, Eric Rosen, was a starting quarterback. Started mm -hmm. as a junior. Uh, beat North Hills, highly ranked, if I remember correctly. Um, Eric Kasparovich was the quarterback, who's now the Pine Richland coach. Yes. So he was, he was the quarterback of that team. So that was in the, the fall of 91, class of 92. So beat them, go down to McKeesport. We lose to McKeesport on a halfback pass, if you remember that correctly. Um, intercepted Greg Wagner, I believe. He threw it. He threw it, picked off by Mike Logan. Mike Logan, yeah. Throw a uh, big block by Jason Chavis. <laughs> Linebacker went to pit, returned it, so we lose down at uh, McKeesport. But last time that we won a playoff game uh, was the North Hills uh, class of 92. Then the other one, you, you stole my thunder is the class of 99. That was my brother was on that team. Um, so we're on 20 years, 20 year anniversary of that section championship. Um, so a lot of personal connections. Again, go back to that game at Ringgold. I was sitting in the stands with my family, sitting right next to my grandmother. I think there was only 30 some seconds left. There's 17 seconds left, kick it short. My grandmother was like, I think it was 17 if I remember correctly. What can happen in 17 seconds? I said, I guess we'll see. <laughs> and the place erupted on the Baldwin side when Capone returned it for a touchdown. So uh, those two connections. But I can tell you, in terms of school pride we have now, I visit with the uh, football team before the season. We're talking about goals and stuff like that and asking some history. And those kids in that locker room know exactly last playoff game, last playoff win, kid raised his hand, 1992 against North Hills. Those guys in those locker rooms, last time section championship, 99-2000 group. So, you know, that pride, that Fighting Highlander pride still reigns true. But those, personally, I have those connections to those two years. Yeah, Mike Logan makes me tell that story every time. I <laughs> yes. see too. Yeah. He's right. like, yeah, he's like, oh, yeah, tell him about when I played Baldwin, right? Because he lives in Baldwin now, which is funny. Yeah. So. Does he? Yeah, he lives over in that Brackenbridge over by where Holly Hill oh, yeah. used to be. Yeah, okay. he's, he's over there now, so. Yeah, he, he always he's always like I, I love when you tell that story because it makes me look so good. <laughs> but he was a heck of a high school football player. You, know? you guys are talking about some of the personalities. You think about my my senior year would, would have been the first year first graduating class out of the new stadium. Before that, it was nothing but a bunch of wooden bleachers. So you th just thinking about it now, from I guess from my position is you know, just the, the how they how that administration started putting the pieces together. So they built a new stadium at that time. It's still pretty nice. I mean, but it was state of the art in in '86. And then basically three years later, um, 
they're starting to, you know, they're putting out some, some really some coaches around to, to, to really put those pieces together to, to put a team deserving of, of that yeah. stadium, which is it's kind of interesting. I really never thought of it that way until you guys were just talking about that. You, you know what's cool is when I was a freshman, I played football. And uh, I, I like to joke that my claim to fame for playing ball in football is that I started the season as a center and ended it as a running back. And I might be the only player in the history of the sport to do that, to start it one way and end up in the backfield. But um, And that's not from getting blocked back, is I just kept getting moved right. to, you know, from center to guard to tight end to wide receiver to running back. But um, we wore the Maulers uniforms, the yeah. Pittsburgh Maulers. Those uh, were our JV uniforms yeah. by uh, the time I was well, here. I, I don't know 90s. if the varsity oh. wore them first and then they got passed down to the JV yeah. and then you know, the, the, the freshman and JV teams wore the Maulers, so we had, like, the purple with gray, and then I think the JV had the burnt orange stripes. Yep. Yes. But we had their equipment, we had their uniforms, and so that was, like, it was kind of a cool thing because it, I, I know you guys don't remember the Maulers, but when they started the USFL, uh, the Maulers made this huge splash by uh, signing Mike Regier, who had been the Heisman Trophy winner from Nebraska. So it was kind of like the Maulers were kind of like this new cool thing in town, and and. They weren't very good, <laughs> um, and they didn't last very long. But um, you know, they came out. You know, I, I remember the Maulers and the Gladiators being the two. You know, right. the Gladiators were the arena, arena football league. team. But uh, remember, remember those being like big stories in Pittsburgh. And well, here's the practice field. Uh, didn't they practice at Wallace? Wallace, which is how the, the jerseys ended up there, right? Well, the jerseys. There's a possibility if you go over to Harrison Middle School, you may be able to find one of those jerseys in the equipment room really? with a burnt orange sleeve. Purple and white. I want number 38, my JV jersey. I'm going to get it framed. <laughs> Let me see what I can We'll start digging next. No, there's jerseys. But we did do well with equipment. I mean, at that time, whenever, the, I mean, it was unfortunate they folded up pretty quick. But uh, with weight, weight room equipment and, and things of that nature, we did do pretty well as a district. I mean, that's good stuff's gone now, but it was a good, good head start. Well, and, and there were other, you know, not that it was just all Don Yanessa on football, credit to him, yeah, but like when I was here again in the late 90s, the teams that I remember being successful were all related to Paul Hines somehow. Yeah. I mean, the, the stuff he did, volleyball, softball. Um, he was and, later an assistant men's basketball, boys basketball yep. coach. Yeah. And um, he just, there was an, an ethos around that guy. I had him for civics in ninth grade. And this is sort of, this is off the beaten path as far as sports go. But, I mean, it was kind of what got me focused on what I wanted to do with my life. You know what I mean? Because he would sit you down. I think it was the second nine weeks. The entire second nine weeks, I think it was, was like a career uh, unit, basically. And he would, you would fill up a binder with just <laughs> visualizations, right? It, 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 and like the front of the binder, I remember, you know, cutting out Sports Illustrated stuff. And I was like, and he, he would put it to you. He would ask you, what do you want to be? What do you want to do with yourself in 10 years? What do you want to be doing? You're in ninth grade, you know. Uh, I don't know. I want to be a football player. Like, no, seriously. What do you want to do with yourself? Where are you going to be in 10 years? You're not going to be playing football. What do you want to do? And I said, I don't know. I want to be a sports center anchor. He's like, all right, let's get started down that path. And he created the visualizations in your head. And I never became a sports center anchor, but, you know, I worked for the local ESPN and I get to talk about sports now for a living. So, you know, that he was just great. I think about, you know, again, we talked about Don Yanessa sort of creating this image around Baldwin Athletics with with Mr. Hines it was just as much about creating the ethos from within rather than the, the what everybody saw from the outside it was about the inside and creating that culture so if you're not doing anything about 7:30 tonight come up to the gym and you can 
see him because he's now he's been, all year long he's been an assist a volunteer assistant with the girls basketball team he's back that's awesome he's back so my, my daughter's on that team as 11th grader and you, you said the binder yeah and i just started giggling because it, it's, it's the notebook or the binder it's, mm -hmm. it's, it's the same kind of stuff it's the goal setting it, it, it's really causing kids to, to visualize and yep. verbalize the things that they may have not thought much about and so it's been a it's been a long year. They're they're, they're young. They're, they've struggled as far as success, wins, and losses by measurement. But as far as growing up, I think they've grown up a lot. But he's he's still doing the same thing. So, uh, Coach Cal DiGregorio, he's the head coach, and, and, and Coach Hines wanted to uh, to be part of the team. That's and awesome. So he's been there. They, they're playing Bethel tonight. So <laughs> you're not doing that. Come on up and see him. <laughs> All right. For me, basically, you know, the football team's on the rise, which at least I believe so. But, you know, I really won't be here to see it basically flourish. You're coming back as a super senior. I'll, be, I'll definitely about? be back. <laughs> but I'll be back. But for me, it's really been the volleyball team. The girls' volleyball team has just dominated just everyone throughout the last couple of years. I was here for the 2015 uh, Whitfield Championship. I was a freshman. We actually hosted the Whitfield Championship. We have the last couple of years up until this year. Hopefully we can get that back sometime. But it was basically... You know, really fun to see them win, um, just go how they play is just great to see. Uh, I was a manager this year for them, so that was just good to you know, be with the team, and I play on the guys' team. So for me personally, just the volleyball atmosphere, I mean, I love the game, just the, just the memories that comes with it. I mean, close wins, games that, you know, people counted them out. Uh, going to the Whitfield Championship game this year, they played uh, Pine Richland. We're down 2-0 on the road. Not much hope, not much energy. You know, they really, really seemed dead. You know, the whole atmosphere. But you know, they found a way to win. They found a way to come back. And that was, for me, being on the bench with them too, was, was just a great memory for me. And also on the guys' team, uh, last year, we went to TJ. And usually, you know, TJ is a harder place to play. You know, you know, some of the people on the other team. You know, hard atmosphere, small gym. So the game got really intense. Uh, it was yelling back and forth between the net. And the game was probably the most memorable, even though it only went to three games, because uh, we had a kid on our team named Danny Kolsky. And uh, it was his first year playing, but everybody was basically friends with Danny before it started. So we just chanted Danny Kolsky's name the whole time because we love the kid so much. and. Uh, uh, it basically was a motivating factor for us, and it really got us playing well. So, you know, basically by another kid on our team really helped us to be able to boost. And I think if we didn't have him, we really wouldn't have gotten as far. We ended up losing to North Allegheny, the eventual section, uh, Whitfield, and state champions who just ran through everybody for two years in a row, haven't lost a game in two years. But, uh, yeah, those are some pretty good memories for me. But we talk about all these, you know, going back to the how everything's connected. Now the head coach for the girls' team, Chris Kelly. Chris Kelly, 1993 graduate, came through all these, you know, the transition with Coach Anessa, the success in the girls' sport. So Coach Kelly has those same expectations yep. that have continued since the 80s, the 90s. They make them in the zeros and now into the tens. Chris Kelly is a big part of that because going back, it's that, you know, that Coach Anessa, that fighting Hollander, those, you know, what he stands for, Coach Hines, you know, Chris Kelly's a big part of that. 
oh. to continue that tradition and those high expectations. Well, he played on that first yeah. really good volleyball team of Baldwin too, didn't with Dave Gilly. He did. Dave Gilly was a kid who grew up with us, and uh, he played at Penn State. And so it's like that, that's the amazing thing too is when you see, and you guys probably don't recognize that as, as maybe as much as we do, but you see guys who and, and girls uh, who not only excel in high school but go on to play and be excellent athletes in college, right. and then a lot of them go into coaching. And, and you see these connections of Baldwin all over. I mean, I went to high school with Art Walker. He's the coach at North Allegheny football, the first to win three quad A championships in a row in the WPIL. Won, I think he won two state titles. And it's like that, that 26 or 28 game losing streak, whatever it was, um, that was his motivating force. And I've had conversations, plenty of conversations with him about, about that. But, you know, a, a lot of it, you know, what, what happened here at Baldwin, uh, the good and the bad, has, has carried with all the kids who went to school here. And that, that's for me that that's where I take a lot of pride is that is that you kind of see everybody pulling for each other. You see one of the best wrestlers in the WPL right now is Sam Hillicus from North Hills. His dad Jason was a great ahead of me here at Baldwin, and he's a great guy. But I mean, it's like you, you see these kids, and they may be wearing a different uniform, but you know the the origin is from Baldwin. And, and you, even you know, there's a part of me that cheers for that kid, even though you know I, I know he doesn't wear purple and white, but it's it's like you, you still kind of pull for him because you know he's a Baldwin kid's son. It's like it's that whole you know, seven degrees of separation. They talk about you know, if you, and, and through enough conversations, if you talk you know, within like seven different connections, you'll come back to Baltimore. And, and it's really true when you're graduating. When my graduating class was you know, over 700, the largest classes were probably closer to a thousand. We we had at one point about 9,000 students in the district. That was like late 70s, early 80s. So there are graduates just everywhere, and the connections are pretty intense. And I think that. What you talked about, Kevin, and even on staff, you know, we have Mrs. Mrs. Wells. It was Mrs. Layton or, or Miss Layton, Denise Layton. She was growing up here, class of '87, uh, part of those uh, softball and basketball teams, and just in, in, in volleyball, and just in, incredible athletes in their own right. And now they're back around coaching. You talked about about Coach Kelly, and and I think the, those connections really are important. And, and that ball and pride, there there's something about it. Maybe we're just too, we're sensitive to it because we're part of it, um, but. You hear those ball and connections. You, you you listen for them out there. You start to hear even in, in the sports casting, and, and really proud of both of you guys in, in, the, in the work that you do. And, and even in the morning, I'll catch some of the ball and conversations once in a while <laughs> as, I'm, I'm, as I'm traveling between buildings or whatever. And, and it really makes you feel feel lots of pride because um, those those connections are there. And, and you hope, you know, especially me now in this position as superintendent. You hope that those formative years, when, it, when when we were all kids kind of going through this, whether it was the neighborhoods and, and, and all of our moms and dads looking out for us and, or, or, or anyone else uh, from, from neighbors um, or to the school system, that, 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 that the Baldwin-Whitehall community helped to make us uh, basically who we are. And it, it, it is a proud moment. Yeah, and the thing, you know, for myself and for Chris, we both started out working for the Purbolite. You know, I, I started as a sophomore. and. Um, I never wanted to do anything but sports while I was there, so I was the sports editor, I think, for a year or two. But I got a, a chance to really kind of spread my wings with that when my athletic career wasn't going the way I wanted it to. I, but I always knew, where some guys say, I'm not really sure what I want to be, I always knew exactly what I wanted to do for a living. And Baldwin was the first one to kind of give me that creative outlet at the Purbolite. And uh, I used the Purbolite. I wasn't a great student. I, I kind of did whatever I needed to do to get by. And my son is a good student now. He's a freshman at Seton LaSalle. And I'm always very adamant with him, just do your best. Give your best effort, because that's what I always felt like 
that I shortchanged myself by just doing whatever I needed to do to get by and not giving my best effort. I did well in the things I liked and poorly in the things that I didn't. But when it came to working for the Purbolite, I really put a lot of effort into it, and, and it opened a lot of doors for me. I, I went to, um, you know, was involved in different competitions. We were involved in different uh, workshops and things like that. And, and here was a guy who didn't, who wasn't on a roll throughout high school at all. I got a scholarship to Point Park College at the time. It's now Point Park University. Um, I got a scholarship, partial scholarship, half tuition to go there because of what I was able to do with the Purbolite. And so that was the first place to open doors for me. And that's a, I'm a big believer that, you know, when one door closes, another one opens. And when the door closed on me playing basketball ball, when that door opened at the Purbolite, and that opened up doors at Point Park and then later at Penn State. And Penn State led to me getting internships at the Dallas Morning News and Arizona Republic. And, uh, Kansas City Star and the Commercial Appeal in Memphis, and those all led me back here to a full-time job at the Trib. And you know, I've been there for it'll be 20 years in August, which is which is kind of hard to believe because I feel like, boy, <laughs> sometimes I pinch myself. I'm thinking I I'm not 20 years out of high school yet, am I? And it's almost <laughs> it's really it's almost 30. You know, we're closing in on 30, but it, it feels like it all kind of flew by. And part of it's because you know you get kind of immersed in that scene. But I, I always remind people that's that's where it all started was writing for the high school newspaper and that we wrote for not just for the newspaper but for a good newspaper we were an award-winning newspaper and we had a um a, a great moderator uh, you know who ran it fran marzi and, and mm-hmm. she was a person who opened a lot of doors for me on a personal level as well so i'm always appreciative of that and that's why you know any, anytime you guys need anything i'm, I'm like hey whatever you need i think i can relate to uh speaking on how the purple lights sort of led me to where i am now you know i was a baseball player my whole life I thought that was definitely going to be what I was going to do um turns out I was not as good as I thought I was going from the neighborhood leagues to when I moved to Baldwin playing for the freshman and the JV team last year you know there's an obvious um skill difference but now like that I'm on the purple light I've found something else that I'm passionate about something else that can certainly open more doors I know Austin even though he's going to be back as a super senior is looking into colleges now with a good journalism program. So, you know, it's super cool to see how many uh, avenues you can go through high school and certainly through something as special as the Purple And We've been blessed. We, you talk about Mrs. Marzi. Uh, she was a teacher that was here whenever I was here. Uh, then we transitioned. I believe next was, was uh, for sure Miss Condrot, and she did it for uh, the longest period of time. And now we have Mr. Harrison. And, and I don't know if I'm missing any in between, but uh, those are three personalities that, uh, as far as knowing the craft, are, are just outstanding and, and award-winning every year. I, I get to the, the, the really the, the benefit of, of giving awards to, at the school board meetings. And it's my honor. And, and every year we're, we're recognizing the Purbolite for um, just high-quality, award-winning writing and, or podcasts or websites or whatever, or maybe all three at the same time. It's just incredible. And, and I can tell you, as much as we're proud of, athletics and, and, and drama and the band and, and all those other pieces of musical the the newspaper is equally and sometimes even more another sense of pride so thank you for the work that you guys are doing absolutely thank you and the best part about it is everyone's got a mr harrison impression <laughs> which is great it's a great class thank you for listening to this very special purple light podcast and a special thanks goes out to chris mack kevin gorman dr lutz and Mr. Saris. I'm Austin Bechtold with fellow podcast editor Jamin White signing off. Thanks again.